Good afternoon, Crossroads. Again, this is Lindsey Cornanser coming to you to the Leaders Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great week so far. It's nice to have a little bit of rain uh, in the midst of the sunshine, but, um, but yeah, it's been awesome. It was a good good week. Hopefully, you guys have had some good discussions with your groups uh, that met this past week, but uh, this is a new week. We are in week two of our uh, Spring Connect group season, and hopefully, uh, you're already encouraged by just meeting together and gathering together and uh, doing what um, really we're all called to do as disciples. Just a reminder, my name's Lindsay. If you've never met, please uh, feel free to swing by and see me sometime at the church, and I'd love to connect with you and uh, help you in any way I can. Uh, like I said, I will be filling in for Joel as he's making transition. Um, if you didn't know that, uh, it was in the Crossroads Now last week that Joel Cogdell is is taking a new position at a, uh, a church in Indiana. So uh, we're excited for him for that. But uh, in the meantime, that means you get to hang out with me on the podcast and uh, looking forward to hopefully walking through this week's lesson with you um, uh, this week. This is We're back in Hebrews. Uh, Jesus is Greater is the title, of, the title uh, of the series. And the title of the message this week is The Superiority of Christ and His Covenant. So very good message, very rich um, message, and I hope that uh, you're encouraged by it too. But let's just kind of jump right in. Uh, the Getting Started questions are pretty simple this week. I didn't really add anything to the Leader's Guide for you, just because I thought that they were um, going to be kind of open-ended, and um, we're going to give you plenty of chance to uh, to have all kinds of different discussion on it. So uh, it's very, very subjective, so I would just encourage you guys to have some fun discussion with that. You Maybe you could even talk about some things that, have gone away uh, in your lifetime, uh, only to have something new. Uh, so, um, but yeah, let's just jump right into the digging deeper section because I think that's where uh, the meat of, of everything is. Uh, number one says, why did the Aaronic priesthood in the Old Covenant need to be replaced? Uh, essentially, the Aaronic, Aaronic priesthood in the Old Covenant had to be replaced because they were incomplete. Plain and simple. Uh, the second part of that question is what are some of the faults faults of the old priesthood and the old covenant? So the old the faults of the old priesthood and the old covenant were were this number one they were it was conditional, essentially it was an agreement that was made with the Israelites. Uh, the old covenant required someone to keep the law, and in return God would protect them and bless them. And you can you can read that in Deuteronomy eight fifteen through eighteen kind of talks a little bit about that. Number two. Jesus is, Jesus is superior because he ushered in the new covenant according uh, according to the following verses. What Old Testament prophets? What did the Old Testament prophets say about the covenant that was to come? So I've got three verses here that say some different things. Uh, number one, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six and twenty seven says, "I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in in you. I will remove your old heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you." and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So essentially, uh, Ezekiel, the prophet, is saying that we get a new heart with this new covenant. We get a new heart, we get a new spirit, and he will remove the old one and give us the new one. Uh, and, and you really get a feeling there that he's referring to the Holy Spirit because uh, he talks about it, it will move you to follow my decrees. Uh, similar to the way that, that Jesus, when he left us, he said that he would not leave us as orphans, 
but he would send a helper. And so I believe that's what Ezekiel is talking about there. Isaiah 59, uh, verse 21 says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in you, your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time and from this time forth and forevermore. So what Isaiah is saying there, essentially, that this covenant was was uh, was was going to last forever. Um, and you see that uh, there where it says from this time forth and forevermore. So that's what makes this one better. It, it lasts forever. Uh, and he also speaks there of, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Isaiah 61, 4 through 8. is just a little bit of a continuation of what he's talking about here. Uh, the main part is, uh, is verse 8 where it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and all wrong. I will faithfully give them their re recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. So again, this one's referring to this new covenant being an everlasting covenant, not one that was that was uh, for a time frame, nor was it one that was conditional. It was absolute uh, everlasting. Number three, it says, according to Matthew 26, 26 through 28, and Luke 22, verse 20, what, do the, what does the new covenant offer us once and for all that the old covenant could never provide? And so the answer to that one is the new covenant offers complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. Let's read those verses together. It says, Matthew 26, 26 to 28 says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you. For this is my body, this is my this is my blood of the covenant, just poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Luke twenty two says something very similar. It says, And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying this, the cup is poured out for you in this covenant, in this new covenant in my blood. So essentially this is Jesus speaking here, but the one thing that I want you to take notice of is that he's talking about the forgiveness of sins. That is one thing that the Old Covenant could not do. Okay? So the New Covenant offers complete forgiveness from sin forever. 3b. According to Hebrews 10, 3 and 4, animal sacrifices could, could provide one thing. Verse 3. But there was an even more important thing they couldn't provide. What were those two things, and what did they reveal to us? Okay? Hebrews 10, 3 through 4 says, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So what's he talking about there? Well, uh, a couple things. Uh, the animal sacrifices uh, provided a reminder each and every year that people had sinned against the Holy God. And they had to do something every year to make sure they paid and atoned for those sins. Okay, um, they could also uh, that they, uh, they also could not provide complete uh, forgiveness of those sins. So once again, every year they had to do that. This wasn't a one time. I do this once and I'm clean. But essentially, they had to do that each and every year to make sure that they had followed uh, what God had told them to do. Okay, um, which is why we need Jesus 
and why Jesus was such a better, um, better and complete sacrifice because it was a one-time, once and for all uh, sacrifice that all we have to do is embrace um, the gospel uh, and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we can have the forgiveness of sins just like they did in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant that they had to do each and every year. Number four, it says, read 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. How does Peter describe our role as believers and what we are, what we are responsible, and what is our responsibility that goes with it? Okay, 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 through 12 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the, his, mar his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as so sojourners and exiles to abstain from, from passions of flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when, you, when, when they speak against you as evildoers, you may see their good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So Peter's talking about here, he says, essentially he says we are a chosen race. Uh, we are a royal priesthood. Essentially God chose us. He chose to give his life for you and for me. And our role in that as believers is that we should abstain as, as, as best as we can uh, to honor God, to abstain from evil desires, and be, good, be a good example for those who don't believe the same as we do. Essentially, our job is to be a witness to all those believers out there. Excuse me, non-believers who, who kind of watch us, people that we work with, people that we live next door to, uh, people that we associate with that, that are just aren't Christians. Uh, our job is to live in such a way that they might... Um, they might see our conduct uh, and see it as honorable. Okay. All right. That's digging deep for practical application. Uh, a couple questions here. It says the Bible tells us that Jesus has made us a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Revelation 1, 6 and Revelation 5, 10. What are some ways we should be serving him now? Okay. This is, again, somewhat subjective, uh, but there's, this is pretty simple stuff. Uh, I think we ought to be serving in his church. I think everybody ought to be serving in the church somewhere. I know we've talked about that for years, but but uh, I don't truly think that you'll be ever satisfied with life until you're serving God the way that he kind of uh, has gifted you. Um, I think it also means that we ought to give faithfully to the kingdom work, to the church, to the missions, to all those sort of things. Uh, be a part of what God is doing. And finally, I think I think that means that we should love our neighbor. The loving your neighbor looks differently for everybody. Uh, you know, if you're married, your wife is your neighbor. Uh, if you're a parent, your kids are your, your kids are your neighbor. You have real neighbors. You have friends. You have coworkers. All those people uh, serve him in those areas. Uh, and when we do that, uh, we make an impact for his kingdom. Number two, this how does Sunday's message speak to you about the sovereignty of God and what impact should that have in our lives this week? Well, some of those we just talked about uh, as far as ways we can ways we can be serving him now. Uh, but I would say, you know, jump in. Find a place to serve in the church. Having the right perspective and understanding the sovereignty of God should help us do everything that God has called us to. Number three, the role of a priest was to represent God to man and to represent man to God. In what ways could we fulfill 
that role to people in our circle of influence this week. I was reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where it tells us that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, he goes on to say, as if God were making his appeal through us. I think it's important to remember that God chose to use us and uh, we need to represent him well in all we do that we might win people back to him. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to Leadership Podcast today. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, a great week and I hope that your weekend's even better. Uh, I hope that you're ready for church and I hope that uh, you come ready to serve, willing to serve and to step out and do something great for God so that uh, uh, people might see the things that you're doing and uh, would uh, want to follow him because of it. But appreciate you guys. Have a great day.